Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Goldmine Podcast. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine, the music collector's magazine since 1974. You can find Goldmine on the newsstands of Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. You can go to goldminemag.com for exclusive content and also go to shop.goldminemag.com for vinyl and collectibles and also exclusive vinyl only to Goldmine. For instance, right now we have Bloor Stokolt's Albert Burchard's Imaginos 2 in ruby red vinyl. It's a bundle with a lot of extras. So if you go to shop.goldminemag.com, you can pick that up before it sells out. There's only 100 made. Okay, so what you heard was a snippet for a live title track from Symbol of Salvation. And that's a track from the latest album by Armored Saint. Now, that title track is from the 1991 studio album, Symbol of Salvation. And in 2018, Armored Saint did the album live in its entirety. And it was recorded at New York's Gramercy Theater during their 2018 tour. Now, now it's being put out to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the studio album. It's on Metal Blade Records. And basically, that there's no other way, there's no better way to celebrate an anniversary of an album than to hear it its entirety, and that's what you got here. And now, Armour and Saint were originally on Metal Blade Records with a three-song EP in 1983, then they signed to major label Chrysalis for three albums, March of the Saint, Delirious Nomad, and Raising Fear. And then Metal Blade signed them again after that, and they uh, recorded the studio album that we mentioned in, in 1991. Uh, during the recordings, uh, their guitarist Dave Pritchard unfortunately passed away, 
from Leukemia, and it ended up being the first album with his replacement, Jeff Duncan. Pritchard, however, was able to record some parts of the album, and some of that was left in the studio mixes, including one really outstanding guitar solo, which we'll talk about later. After the album's release, the band unfortunately went on a hiatus uh, until the turn of the century in 2000, and their last studio album was Punching the Sky in 2020. Personally, I think Armored Saint are one of those early, straightforward metal bands, what a lot of people like to call trad metal, T-R-A-D, or traditional metal. Armored Saint were what you see is what you get. In other words, the real thing. Just the metal, man. That's what Armored Saint were. That's one of the reasons why I like them so much. And we'll talk to singer John Bush about this new live album and the history of the band. I listened to Armored Saint way before they were even signed to any label. And uh, and it's funny, I corresponded with John when he ran the band's fan club in the beginning with his mother. So it's good to talk to him again after all these years. And we'll be right back with John Bush after this message. Hey, man. John Bush. So yeah. it's been a long time, man. I um, As a kid, we used to correspond. I was a young kid doing a metal zine called Powerline. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Yeah, man. It's been about 30-something years. Yeah, that was when uh, you wouldn't do things online. You actually had to write letters to people. with. Yeah, them. that was the fan club, man. Yeah, I ran yeah. the fan club, I would say, me and my mom, actually, for a long time. That's probably why I feel okay with not having any um, social media regarding the band, because my attitude is like, look, I, I used to send people letters. I used to send people's merchandise i dealt with all that you did i did so like i to me you know social media of course it's not but still somewhat of a glorified fan club and i i, I just i'm really opposed to social media for myself personally and not the band i mean the band needs a presence of course but i don't want to deal with it <laughs> so. i don't i don't blame it there's too much um negative anger too much it's stupid trolling i know it's terrible but 30 years for this album, that that right there seems there's crazy, man. It doesn't seem that long ago. Yeah, I know. Um, it does when I look in the mirror sometimes, but uh, or look at old photos from that time. Um, but you know what? I feel pretty good, and uh, the band is doing great. And um, when we can perform and, and do things, of course. But the Symbol yeah. Salvation tour that we did was really killer and lots of fun. And the shows are amazing. And, you know, it was it's celebrating that really cool, that really kind of pivotal record for our career. Well, at the time, what, who came up with the idea to do the album in, in its entirety? I think it was Tracy Vera, actually, Joey's wife. Um, we had done the run for Win Hands Down, which was great. And probably more touring that we had ever done in years. And um, it was, a, I love that record. I think it's awesome. And um, so to keep us kind of going, instead of going right back in and doing a record, um, I think she came up with the idea of celebrate, celebrating it in conjunction with this anniversary coming up. We knew it would take a couple years probably to, to get it together once we actually did the tour and filmed it and did the audio and did the tour, which indeed it did. Um, so 
uh, and I think it was her idea and it, it was a great idea. And we had a lot of fun doing that tour, like I said, and you, you got to know how good that record really is when you're playing it every night. Cause it's just, it's a real diverse album and it has it a lot of different styles and vibes and different, you know, kind of peaks and valleys. And it really became clear every night. I think that's what made it great is that the, it was eclectic, you know, uh, it had a lot of different styles on it. it that's what makes usually the best albums. Uh, you know, in my opinion, I agree. Certainly, um, you With know, Led Zeppelin. I, I, exactly. So, um, you know, Armored Saint. I think we always had kind of lofty goals to to be a really broad sounding band, and it, it, it kind of started happening fairly fairly soon. I, I always tell people. I think it was Delirious Nomad, which is the record that kind of it, it was our rebellion to the label of being this. Uh, this band that we we just wanted to be more. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love March of the Saint. I love the time, the era. It was great, um, but I just think automatically we we wanted to do more. And then on on Delirious, we kind of did. We didn't just have the five minute rocking songs. We we kind of had songs like Aftermath and Over the Edge and In the Hole and For the Sake and Nervous Man and Over the Edge. And they were just kind of a little bit more versatile and and this broader style um so i think and that's that we just that's that was our beginning of doing that and then we kept going and then symbol really was really uh, it showed a lot of that diversity uh in a in the best sense and and maybe in the best songs at that time and you know we kept it going i mean punching the sky our last record i think has that and it's just continuing with thinking we could do whatever we want we could do anything we want and that's kind of our theory. And, you know, I think we're pretty honest with ourselves. We police ourselves as something we think is a little outside the box too much. We'll, we'll kind of, we'll rein it back in with the fishing line, but I think we're, we feel pretty good about trying just about anything. Well, it's great that you brought up Delirious Nomad. That to me was, uh, I have a soft spot for that album. That, that was a, uh... I loved that album when I was a kid and it kind of, you know, at the time, a lot of metalheads would say, Oh, major labels are watered down metal bands. You know, the weather was um, sabotage or, you know, whoever. And here you guys come out with uh, delirious nomad and it kicks complete ass. And it kind of threw that theory out the window. Like every band that gets on a major label will get, commercial well it was probably a little too not commercial i remember listening back at the label in in the office after it was mixed and everything and with a few of the heads of the departments and there was some head scratching going around with that that album and um, especially again after march of the saint and after songs like can you deliver and march of the yeah. saint madhouse and beauty on the world and again love love those songs for what they represent but delirious was just a right turn and really probably it was it was too far of a right turn not for fans people like you but maybe for the label and how the hell are we going to market this and mm -hmm. we didn't even end up doing a video for that record because at that point it was funny because can you deliver it had a lot of success actually on mtv did. and then within the next album they weren't playing metal as often and so then we collectively decided not to do a video um and you know again that probably was 
in retrospect, not a good idea. Even if it wasn't a great video, we should have done something, but we didn't. And, and that along with the record being a little too eclectic, maybe worked against us as far as sales go. And, um, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter now, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just looking at how, how it chronologically went in our career. Did you ever think about doing that album in its entirety? Maybe it you know, um, has to tie in with anniversary, I guess, which has yeah, just passed. It would so. probably be pretty cool. I, I, you know, there's a couple songs on that record that I think are a little bit lacking um, in, in retrospect. I won't say what I think they are. <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll keep it. I'll keep it blissful in your mind. Um, Cause I like I, I hate doing that. Going, oh, I really don't like that song. And somebody says that's my favorite song, man. <laughs> it really rains on their parade. It's like the song Envy. Like, I mean, I really look back and just don't think that was a very good song by us. And then it never fails. Like people say, that's one of my favorite songs. So, right. I'm like, all right, you know, it's just my opinion. Who the hell am I? But you know, <laughs> um, but yeah. So I, I do think there's a couple. Uh, there's a couple of songs on that record that are a little lacking. But overall, I think it's uh, pretty strong. Um, but you know, maybe live it, it would it would take on a whole new vibe. So that's what happened on 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 symbol. Like yeah. even something like burning question, um, which I think was a great tune. I actually thought the demo version was better uh, than the record one. Um, Spineless, which I think is a great song, but we never really played it live. But once we started playing those songs live, especially in order in sequence, man, some of those record, some of those songs really became some of the best songs and probably because they were fresh we didn't play them like we did rain of fire last train home you know they were they were songs that were we just didn't beat the crap out of every night so maybe that's what made them a little bit more exciting live and that could be the case with the delirious thing who knows maybe well you, you referred to symbol of salvation as a cornerstone record is it because of the eclectic feel of the album is that why you said that um, I think it's that and also just how it, what happened, you know, it was the last record that Dave wrote a bunch of the material. Yeah. He didn't make it. He died before the recording. We still made the record. We brought back Phil and Jeff. We made the album tour and then, and then I left to join Anthrax. So it was kind of like this weird thing that happened with this, this really special album. So I think, and then the band obviously was uh, kind of, uh, you know, went um black for a while if you will but um i i think it was all those things along with the diversity that kind of made made it our cornerstone record and it is you know arguably one of our strongest albums now the cool thing about this release it also has those demos on it which is very very cool for the fans you know right and also a nice nice touch in honor of dave you know um I'm trying to remember if, and I knew this, I, if he was, uh, if he knew he was sick while we're doing the demos, I can't, I can't remember. Um, yeah, he definitely did. We found out that Dave was ill. We, we actually decided to go back to being a five piece band. And that's when we brought Jeff Duncan in. And that, I think we did our first shows in like June of 88 with Jeff. Um, and we did two nights at the country club in LA it was funny because Faith's Warning opened both those shows. That was before Joey was in Faith's Warning. Mm -hmm. and, um, and they were great gigs. And then we were like, we're, we're back as a five piece. And we played a couple of those songs. I think we're on the demo, like Nothing Between the Years and maybe Hanging Judge. Um, 
And um, it was right around that time that we did find out about Dave being sick. So, you know, again, it was just this, um, <laughs> I don't want to say bad luck because that's actually undermining the severity of, of the scenario. But, right. you know, it was just like, okay, we're, we're back as a five piece band. We're get this, even though we got dropped by Chrysalis, we kind of feel this new um, motivation and energy with these new tunes that we were writing. And then we found out about Dave and it's like, Oh God, now what, you know, and what does the future hold? Um, and that's just the way the story went, but uh, we did know. And I think that probably subconsciously gave us the motivation to just stay regrouped uh, or not regrouped, but stay together uh, because we didn't know what the future held. And all we right. knew we could do is just kind of, work on music, hopefully get a record deal. I mean, of course, eventually Metal Blade came to the rescue, you know, with the life preserver, but um, it was a real kind of uncertain time for the band, no doubt about it. Is it true and that- In particular, of course. Did you did you take some guitar solos from that demo and use them on the uh, album? Is just, that true? Just, just the one song uh, on the- Hate to uh, Past. And it passed. That was the only song that we lifted. You know, this is pre-Pro Tools, so <laughs> yeah, it was a long, arduous process that Joey and the, and the engineer at the time, Brian Karlstrom, did to lift that song, lift that lead, and mm. put it in, in the the song of the you know the recording of the actual record. The tempo was a little bit different. Um, you know, you had to, you had to, it was, the, it, we recorded those demos on four track, a cassette four track. That's how we made those. So we had to use the four track cassette to fly it in onto like uh, a, a tape to fly it into the to the master tape. It was it was not an easy process. It probably took about probably took a whole day of being in the studio, you know, and um, but I'm glad it did happen because it, he's on there. And that's a great lead, incredible lead, very emotional, slow part of the song. It's awesome. And the album, the live album sounds great, but, you know. You guys are always a great live band. Um, I remember back before your first major album came out. I have I saw you at Lamore in Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Um, you guys are wearing um, the armor. The armor. I'm trying to yeah. think when you took the armor off, but I, we I, took I, it off right. Around, well, it it, it kind of met, it metamorphosed into a little bit less armor, like right around. <laughs> here and then about symbol salvation that's that's when we hung it up um you know it became a little bit of an albatross just because hot as hell up there on stage well, that, yeah that the stuff smelled it never you never dried in the winter yeah. uh, it got a little silly at the time we liked it you know we thought it was cool we were always into yeah. the big image bands alice cooper kiss you know yeah. Prudence. so we liked it but eventually we're like we don't want the we don't want the armor to be the topic of conversation when people talk about armor saying you know we right. just we were over it so um uh yeah well i think we played lamar's with metallica and wasp and that was march of <laughs> Century, so that was the first time we played lamar's and those were still to this day legendary gigs you know yeah yeah people talk about i have shit. i have uh somewhere i have photos of the of that um if i can right, ever find Kodiak. 
you know, no, there were slides back when that's how I first started as like a photographer fanzine guy. Yeah, they are classic shots. Um, but you always, the, the live thing, the live show was always a big part of Armored Saint. That was, I think, what you were known for. Well, and it, we for certainly were. Um, yeah, and I mean, it, I think it, I mean, Saints Will Conquer. I mean, were you happy with that? That was another. Yeah, it was cool. It was, it sounded like Saint Live, you know, it was really, yeah. um, you know, the funny thing about Saint is we always were a fun, always powerful, yes. exciting live band. Um, I don't think we were always the tightest band in the world. Um, as a matter of fact, sometimes we were pretty loose and to this day, I think we're still kind of loose which I actually embrace at this point, just because with everything, with click tracks and tapes and, you know, perfection. Um, True. I, I'm against it, you know? I mean, we're a live rock band and I don't right. want it to be perfect because it just ain't, it's just not, no matter what. You're right. gonna have some sour notes, you're gonna have some, you know, tempos may fluctuate. You know, it's, it's, that's what you want. I don't want to go, if I, if I went to see a band and it sounded like a recording, um, to me, that would be lame. So I, I like the liveness. I want the Stones feel, the Aerosmith feel. I want it to, the Motorhead feel. I want it to feel like a live band, you know, with a different sound and a different style and a different approach to every city you play. So um, I always, but we were certainly entertaining live and we, we still are a great live band. Um, it's just not perfect. And I, I like that. So, and simple, like I mean, uh, Sensible Conquer certainly sounded like that. Do you, how do you compare this album to the others? Do you, do you think it's got a better sound? Do you like, well, do you yeah, it sounds better for sure. Audibly, audio wise, it sounds, it sounds great. And Joey did a great job mixing it. And um, we have some great basic tracks for the most part that we got. Um, and we fixed a couple things. I ain't going to lie, but not very many to be right. honest. Um, it's, it feels like a live record, cool banter. When I say cool, I'm patting myself on the back. I think it's some fun, honest banter between songs and talk, talking about particular uh, origins of the songs and where they came from and goofing around with the fans. I like to do that live and, I just want it to feel like a live record, like the live records that we love, you know, the Kiss Alive's, you know, the uh, Strangers in the Night, you know, Live and Dangerous, um, Tokyo Tapes. I mean, those are some, at least in the East, those are- Wow, Tokyo records. Tapes, that's a yeah. good one. You know, those are records that just, you know, Earth, Wind and Fire, Gratitude. I mean, there's records that we just love and right. wanted to make it sound like that. And you always, um, we're good at, giving a nod to your influences you know you even made an album nod uh help me remember nod. Nod to the old school. there yeah. you go yeah never satisfied was on that that album. was cool yeah that was awesome. you ever play that live that we that played one? it once yeah we played yeah? it once. Uh, it was at like some weird what was that it was like a maybe it was like a metal blade party that was <laughs> a clothing company it was weird it was like a small get-together um, not a promoted show. I think it was a Metal Blade anniversary party of some sorts. And we played it somewhere. And um, and uh, it was, like I said, the one and only time we did it. It was cool. It's fun. We played not only that, but we played Day of the Eagle, which are the both those covers on that song, on that album. So that was fun. Yeah, I love that. I love that song. And it's cool because 
you know, that's on rock and roll. On, so that's, that's not even a popular priest record. I think they were playing, um, affliction. That's what my wife just told me. It was the affliction clothing company, which is kind of a, like a big metal wrestler mm. clothing company. Those you know, kind of people dig it. People who like that kind of stuff. Um, and I think I read recently the priests. What song were they playing from? They played Rockarola. Rockarola? Did they play Rockarola yeah. recently? Yeah, I was like, wow, I can't believe it because I never heard them ever play Rockarola. What's that? Invader from Stain. Well, Invader is awesome. I was stoked to hear that. Dude, that's, I love that song. And why, never, that, why didn't they do this stuff in the 80s, man? Right. Come on, man. <laughs> they never played anything from rock and roll. I mean, I saw Priest, of course, many uh, times and never, ever. I used yeah. to love the song Dying to Meet You. That's a killer song, too. Um, that's Halford was at his top, man. At that, uh, I mean, he was, he's always been great, but his voice was impeccable. Yeah. Um, I just read his book recently. It was cool. But, um, now you're coming up to an anniversary for the actual formation of the band, right? Isn't that, wouldn't that be next year? Well, I guess it depends on who you really ask. Um, me personally, I always feel like the uh, official anniversary really belongs when Joey joined. That's my personal feel feeling, yeah. which was like, you know, mm -hmm. around 1982, like the spring of 82. Right. Uh, we did do some shows before that and, with a bass player named Mike Williams. I'll give him a little shout out. He he did per participate in like maybe the first six or seven Armored Saint shows. Um, Where's Mike Williams now? I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, when Joey joined, it's kind of when I really feel like we, we did it. And then I also feel like maybe another anniversary is really like the first product that came out, which was the EP. Yeah. Uh, or, or or the Metal Masker 2, which right oh, were pretty, shit, yeah. pretty close in time. And that was like August of 83. So depends on what you want to state as the anniversary. Do you want to state the first show ever? Or do you want to state, you know, when the first record came out? Wow, I forgot you guys were on Metal Masker compilation. Those, those albums were like throwaways back in the day. And now they're worth a lot of money. Well, you know, a lot of bands, you know, had a lot of uh, introduction to some success through them, especially on the first album, Metallica, Rat, Black and Blue, Malice, they were on the first one, then second one, um, Bitch was on the first one, I don't even remember the second one as much, actually, to be mm -hmm. honest, the one we were on, um, Savage Grace, I think. Um, Another good band. Yeah, um, man, I, and I'm stumped who was on that one. The one we were on, to be honest, but you know, it was certainly when you got on those records, you were stoked because for most bands, I think it was their first time to ever put anything out. Certainly, it was Metallica's, and I think Slagle was doing that out of his garage, which makes it even cooler. Oh yeah, <laughs> something like that for sure, no doubt. And it's great that he brought you guys back because it was like full circle, really. Um, you know, you started with the EP, and then you ended back with metal blade which is pretty cool totally cool yeah i agree yeah it was you know we had some some cool memories of that time and it was just a lot of it was very very you know very new and fresh to the band and you know playing we played some shows uh in conjunction with the record coming out the ep that is um 
I, you know, I think like false, false alarm was like our, our hit single at that point. And that was, that was the, the EP that only had the three songs and false alarm was one right. of them. That, wow. that, that song got a lot of airplay on radio stations in Los Angeles at the time. It was KMET, which was like the major radio station in LA with Jim Ladd, who, who did the mighty metal hour. And Jim Ladd is still, you know, on the air DJ. He's on deep tracks has his own show, which is really cool. And, you know, he, he, he did this, it was called the, the mighty metal hour. And it was, um, God, it was, it was again during that time and they played false alarm and lesson will learn and so many new bands and bands that I discovered by that particular time. So. Is there still a scene out there in LA? I mean, if I went down sunset strip or there's, is there. Still <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, well, there probably is a scene for somebody you know, for some newer, newer bands, um, I would say, you know, there's the whiskey and, and certainly bands play it. You know, we played it not that long ago. We've Is done the Troubadour still around? The Troubadour is there, but the Troubadour is on Santa Monica Boulevard. So it's, um, right. it's a different street. Troubadour is a little bit different because it's more um, kind of an alternative place where bands who are that style of music play. Not too many metal bands or metal shows happen there. It's mostly alternative bands that play the Troubadour, which is a shame because I love the Troubadour. It's one of my favorite clubs to ever play and still go to. Um, then there was the Roxy. The Roxy is right down the street from the Whiskey. Um, and we played many shows there as well. And bands still play the Roxy. But it, as far as a local music scene, that I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I... Even New York, which it's really Brooklyn now. So oh, yeah. like it was in the 70s or late 70s, early 80s. That was the last time I can think of it really hopping. Yeah. Um, came back a little in the 2000s with the strokes and stuff like that. But sure. Um, uh, well, but yeah. just to wrap it up, uh, one of the things I've always loved about the band is that you guys are straight up metal. You didn't you didn't take any extremes. You didn't try to do. I mean, there were a lot of bands trying to be too too extreme you know whether the satanic thing the death metal thing the you know now we have new metal um which i can't listen to but um you guys always had the appeal of a great straightforward metal band that's what i always loved man yeah well i think we just kind of followed our own uh, heart when it came to that stuff i always say that sometimes armored saint you know we we, we kind of didn't fall into a category that really could have benefited us in the eighties. Um, like well, when thrash was happening and then there was hair metal that was happening and both of them were very strong and, and vibrant scenes. We oh didn't really, part, yeah, we didn't participate with either one as far as benefiting from the, right. the trend. Um, and sometimes that was a bummer, believe it or not. But, um, but, you know, we still, we could gravitate to any band that we could play with. I mean, we played with the with Rat and Wasp and you know Great White, and then we played with Death Angel and Metallica, yeah. you know, and 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 those bands as well. So, um, it you know, I I think that in the end, you know, I I made the joke. I've said it many times that you know, we might have a slight inferiority complex about where we fat fit in, and it might have been frustrating. I think during the '80s, but. Um, as time went on, we kind of figured, you know what, let's just follow our own trip and do our own thing. And that's what we always wanted to do anyway. And I think Symbol 
going back to that record was kind of the record that really says, this is us, this is our trip, this is our sound. You know, remember it was the nineties, that was 91 that record came out. So grunge was kicking in and, and right. some great incredible bands. I love to this day, you know, I was just cranking Temple of the Dog earlier, which is a phenomenal record. And um, so it was a great time. But again, we certainly weren't part of that scene by any means. But, um, you know, it was just like you just follow your own thing, do your own thing, just follow your own heart and your own soul. And um, you can be inspired by other things. And we certainly were and am and to this day continue to be, you know, yeah. take these ideas, stop. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that because everybody's done it, let's face it. But you don't want to regurgitate somebody else's thing. You want to use that for inspiration or as an influence coupled with maybe this and maybe that. And then, boom, have it come out sounding like you. And I think that's yeah. always the goal. Yeah, category is always kind of sucked. I mean, we all use them. But um, the good thing about Armored Saint is that a regular rock person, a classic rocker, could get into Armored Saint. I mean, that's how totally. eclectic. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we really, at the end of the day, we're just kind of like a bluesy, hard rock slash metal band. That's really yeah. what we are. And it's funny when you say that, it sounds so simple. And yet our sound, I think, is very unsimple um, because we talked about the diversity that I think we have. Yeah. But when you, but still, this if you if you have if I had to explain it to somebody, I'd say we're a, you know we're a bluesy hard rock metal band. That's what we are. Right. Um, I agree so. with that. Yeah. So I, I didn't. So there are no plans for a um, a fortieth then, fortieth anniversary. Well, you know, it's we're really bummed. We had these five shows at the end of the year with Black Label Society. They were supposed oh. to be shows on the West Coast, and they just got canceled recently. Yeah. Um, I guess they weren't. They didn't want to do it and do them in the end. The band, Black Label that is, and so um, they pulled out and. We were really bummed because one of the shows was the Wiltern here in LA, which is a killer theater. I love going there for gigs and never played it. So I was pretty bummed. Um, but that's life and that's, you know, everything's been, that's I mean, crazy. Every minute, everything's been wacky. So right now we don't have anything planned for 22. We're working on some stuff. As a matter of fact, there is going to be a tour that we're going to do at the end. It's sadly, it's not till like October of next year, which sounds ridiculous, but that's the tour that is going to happen. I can't tell you what it is yet because they haven't announced it, but when they do, it's going to be really cool. And it's going to feel like a throwback old school uh, tour. And I think it's going to get people pumped up. But again, that's not till the later part of next year. So in the meantime, we're, we're trying to get some things going and, um, uh, you know, I, I just texted my agent earlier and said, hey, what about this? And But as of now, we don't have any shows booked. <laughs> so. But songwriting, songwriting always kind of continues, and, lyric writing. And, you know, we have a couple of things we're working on. Um, there's this documentary that a friend of ours. Uh, I heard about that. Well. Yeah. So that's probably the next thing that um, is going to maybe serve the uh, rights to relicense the first three records. So that's going to happen next year, which is going to be really cool. So there's going to be reissues on vinyl of, of March uh, Delirious and Raising Fear next year. So that'll be really cool with some liner notes that are new and um, that's going to be fun. Um, Will that so be on Metal, metal Blade? It's going to be on Metal Blade, yeah. yeah. Um, Chrysalis was uh, nice enough to work, well, BMG it is now. So they were nice enough to, to work some things out with us business-wise and it was it was great, actually. So, um, you know, as far as live performances, I mean, we didn't do, we did one thing in reference to 
punching the sky. We did this live stream. That was October of last year now. So it was a year mm. ago. Um, it was fun to do. Um, I don't have a desire to do another live stream, quite frankly, but um, I want to play in front of people. And so hopefully in 22, we will be doing that. I just don't know where yet. All right. Well, thanks, man. It was good seeing you again. You too, dude. You got to come out to a gig. Yeah, it's been about... When we play. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to come out to New York. I love New oh, York. Very cool. Thanks, John. All right, brother. Good talking to you. And, uh, you know, all the best and be safe. And like I said, come to the New York show when we play. All right, cool. Bye-bye. Thank you, John Bush. And everyone, don't forget to pick up the record, Symbol of Salvation Live on Metal Blade Records. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine, signing off. And don't forget to go to goldminemag.com to find exclusive content. And you can find Goldmine print on the newsstand at Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. And don't forget to go to shop.goldmymag.com for vinyl and also collectibles. And in fact, like I mentioned before, you can get exclusive vinyl. For instance, right now we have Gloucester Colts Albert Burchard and his latest album, Imaginos 2, that you could pre-order. And it's on ruby red vinyl and it's in a bundle. And they're only 100 made. So go to shop.goldbymag.com and pick that up before it's too late. Okay, we'll listen in at the next Goldmine podcast. Thank you. See you then. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.